to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. My guest today on the Unicorns Podcast is Bruce McKenzie. Bruce is the founder and managing director of Human Force, an all-in-one HR tech workforce management solution business. G'day, Bruce. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Justin. Glad to be here. Okay, let's begin with what I hope is a simple question to answer. What is human force? Um, well, Justin, the, the genesis of the business in the earlier was, was around the notion that we were basically trying to have the right people, right place, right time, and, and in essence, a, a rostering solution. And, uh, you know, that sort of span out to, you know, to try and, you know, got caught up with complicated employment laws and, you know, the really interesting part was that in its simplest form, where we, we came out just to have the right people, right place at right time. But mm-hmm. with more sort of broader, more tectonic shifts associated with all the regulations, that sort of changed our, our perspective. So we sort of went from a very simplified rostering solution to, in essence, a, a full stack workforce management solution. And so who are some of uh, your clients and customers that, uh, that you're working with? Our clients generally will, will typically range literally from your local IGA to, you know, a, a complicated venue like ANZ Stadium or Arena or the, the Sydney Cricket Ground or, you know, the really complicated venues, the International Congress, uh, Conference Centres um, all over Australia and, and, and subsequently around the world. And so our forte was really centred around our ability to handle complicated regulations such as the Australian uh, award system and and difficult things, um, you know, around that, which obviously is, you know, highly interested in, in, in the media at the moment. Um, but, you know, and, and then when we went outside of Australia, our first client offshore, other than Australia New Zealand, was uh, Wembley Stadium, where we had a, a baptism. Okay. So that was... A, have you ever been there? I've never been there. Yeah, I have. I, the first the first event I went there was to watch the FA Cup final. It was our first... That oh, was our, stop it. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who Arsenal beat, but I know that anybody listening will probably hate that because. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that was our first. That was our first game. We actually like that was our first offshore European EU compliant solution with two and a half thousand people, um, and I went to watch the FA Cup there. Obviously, without a ticket, so I continually roaming around, keeping making sure everything was working, and our UK team were there. And mm-hmm. yeah, exciting way to start our our life our, our offshore. And so where is your software currently deployed around the world? Oh, look, um, across right across the EU. I mean, pre-COVID, we, we had a couple of clients that were were, were, were completely global um, with Superdry and um, Karen Millen. Um, and I think yeah. Karen Millen has subsequently um, ceased trading. But I know that put us in, like in the US, in every one of the sort of what you call the the, the, the retail sort of hotspots, whether it be like Times Square, Union Square, Rodeo Drive, Vegas, um, you know, Atlanta, all the big sort of uh, retail outlet, you know, high, high street retailing. Um, so yeah. that gave us all their states. US states are really difficult, like um, like California with its, uh, you know, its size of um, and its regulations. So that was, a, you know, that was a, as difficult as when we went like literally, you know, with Karen Mellon, we were had... French, well, people whose native language tongue was Russian working in for an English company in a Parisian boutique. Um, <laughs> and, and, that's and, an interesting and, combo. I, that's the one that I, I went into the store. It's not my normal shopping. Uh, and I remember going in there and, and um, you know, it was a very high-end 
um, traditional English fashion. And, um, and then we've, we're doing that across right across Europe and we're in, you know, like really strange uh, regulations, particularly with France, Germany and Italy and Portugal were very complicated. But, you know, that said, we come from the most complicated, well, Brazil tops us, but we come from the most complicated um, and, and over-regulated, well, regulated, not over-regulated uh, uh, workforces in the world in Australia. So that sort of prepared us. So are there, are there any, um, Bruce, are there any new markets that you're looking to, to break into perhaps next year? Look, at, right at the moment, COVID's been really kind to us. We, we expect it to, 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 be, to be really smashed. Um, uh, you know, 56% of our, our client base was in the highly impact, according to Moody's. Like in March, we, we started to look at you know, how we would batten the hatches down. Um, but all the way through, we've continued to have record months and it was built around the fact that our clients were very clever um, and we were also heavily um, involved in not just the <clears throat> hospitality, but as, uh, three of the top five uh, aged care operators in Australia use our software. Okay. Um, uh, two of the uh, two of the top four uh, childcare centre operators use us, um, and then you throw on like Epworth Hospital in Victoria, our client. Mm. And these organisations were, you know, predominantly we, we we work in the private space, like we don't do any public hospitals. Um, or public uh, childcare, but we do an enormous amount in those spaces um, nationally and, and in New Zealand particularly. We're, we're the biggest provider of workforce software in the, in the New Zealand market now. Um, and, yeah, so that was, a, you know, that was really pleasing, obviously, for both myself and, my, you know, external shareholders that we, we were able to, to grow. Um, yeah. You know, so, and, and, and the UK was exceptionally difficult. I mean, there was incredible shutdowns. You know, an, an interesting strategy around, um, you know, COVID with the herd uh, immunity. Um, yeah. But we had some phenomenal pivots over there. One of our organisations, which is a big um, catering and uh, one of the venue providers, um, had a contract to do to do uh, testing in the car parks of their stadium. So they repurposed all of their staff and we were suddenly rostering uh, COVID testing. Um, really? The day. Yeah, they put up like... Um, the uh, uh, the uh, the big tents and they could drive cars through them and the the staff that would have been serving uh, you know food beer and, and hot dogs were suddenly fully trained on um, COVID testing with all the PPE on and uh, you know we're at the point now we're literally with that same organisation is now just we're just standing up ten thousand employees as part of uh, Boris's target to test a million people. Mm-hmm. Um, those ten thousand will all be operating and that's in addition to the already. Uh, I can't even remember what the exact number is. I know we've got ten, the, the 10,000 are coming on right at the moment, um, which is a lot of people to schedule seven by 24 on top of it. I think it was about 7,000 already that would mm. do the testing. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, one of those incredibly large, you know. And they're, it's they're ingenious. Well, I, 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 I'm being coy around the company name. So to be honest, I don't know if it's it, it, whether they yep, renounced okay. it. But it's one of our big catering companies and, you know, the, the ability to be able to, to, to mobilise that, um, you know, is a credit to that organisation, but it also, it, the, the, the Brits have approached this whole process like they're at war again. You know, it's like mm. a, without the posters, they're very, very, mo- very motivated to, you know, fight the common enemy and et cetera. So it's, it's exciting. So when you, when you think about human force, what, what is the essential problem or the problems that human force is actually trying to solve? 
I mean, I guess the, the real the real concern that we've always had was that our our target market are are the standing workforce. So that's a deskless worker. So when you've got a really clear identity as to now they're not our clients, they're our clients' workforce. So but yes. for us, if we solve for for the worker. It naturally sets, I mean, originally it was to solve for the employer. So I went out and did, you know, in a true sort of customer success model, which wasn't defined as that 17 years ago, I went out to all of my large retail and hospitality clients and basically said, what's the, the biggest issue that you're facing in the business? And so on that basis, you know, I did the homework and realised that all of them, the common thread was that workforce was a difficult and a moving, a moving target. Um, and and even from 2002 to 2020, you know we've we've seen like it's the businesses never gets boring because to be honest with the with the award system in Australia which is going through another you know reinvention right at the moment massive change but, yes yeah, just the way that businesses change you know whether it's you know the the obvious complicated businesses I mean we've had Sydney Convention Exhibition Centre Melbourne Convention Adelaide for the nearly the whole duration of that time. And those businesses have had to reinvent themselves. I mean, Sydney closed, the ICC comes out, you know, totally different operation. Um, all of those businesses are reinventing themselves. Uh, and then, you'll, you know, we'll, we'll have clients that we've had for many years, like Retro from Day Dot in, in, in pubs and clubs that, you know, to be honest, they have to reinvent themselves all the time because of the changing, you know, nature of work. Um, you know, so that's, it keeps it, it keeps it fresh. When you talk about uh, the standing workforce, are you typically talking about part-time work, casual workers rather than than full-time employees? Yeah, I am. Uh, and, and what you, what you find around that that market is that is 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 a, is a really interesting demographic. Uh, and you know, our our early adaptation or, or move towards mobile solutions was was critical because it is also in in majority uh, the great majority are are under 25 and there'll be plenty of people that uh, will will have have worked and who is listening to this or worked in a casual environment you know through in hospitality hospitality or retail through that yeah. period and so their expectation is of you know of of our solution and for what we're we're, we're putting forward is significantly changing and, and and continues to change now like how do we communicate with them in the early days it was text now like we're across all the messaging platforms and and, and as they open you know i think about the only thing we're not using is we, we we are integrating with with insta but predominantly a lot of them are around the message based um you know, from- you know it's snapchat snapchat's interesting because it, it, it we've had clients that want to use it but they it hasn't it hasn't hit because to be honest when you look at the different demographics around snapchat now i've you know i've i've got uh teenage children um, yes it's only the young, you can just about age a person by what what their predomination of where they've spent the most <laughs> posts you know it's like so it goes yeah. from facebook to insta to snap you know so my yeah. young daughter who's you know just finished hsc heavily in snap for years gone by now has moved on to others and and then you find you know like We've got several clients because we're in Asia now, where we're actually got WeChat integrations, and that's really interesting. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, because that's not our choice. You know, that's but they want to do that, and we're like, how do we integrate with that? Should we integrate with that? Where do we do that? So that's been one of those ones that is an, an ongoing conversation that we've got there, one that we're not active in at the moment. And our clients are solving for us, um, but you know. You know, university, you know, study groups at the moment, you know, it's a changed world. Like, you know, all, all my family members are on WeChat. 
um, because of what they're doing as mm. far as their group work. You know, they use that as the easiest way with, with you know, offshore st- uh, students in, in, in group study. So it's a, it is a very changing world. You know, if you said to me I would be looking at, you know, communicating with my family via WeChat, I would probably be <laughs> very, very, head very, very so, scared. So I don't mean this to sound like a provocative question, but how complicated is it to actually pay someone uh, a casual worker, the correct of, uh, amount of money, if um, if they're on an award. Well, it's it's, it's really topical, and 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 it's it, it's one of those things. Casual workers aren't that complicated to pay. It's when you get these weird things that the that the industrial commission has come through. When 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 is a casual a casual, and and etc. And so I won't go into all the boring technical side of it all, but the reality is, is that the harder ones is is where somebody's being employed as a casual that isn't truly you know, working as a casual and therefore the commission would de- define them as not a casual because there wasn't enough variability in their, their roles, et cetera. And I think that's what Porter and the government and, and, and the unions are working together at the moment on, on that front. Um, so casuals aren't as big a problem as, say, part-timers. So like if you're a part-time employee. Okay. tell me about that, yeah. Okay, so if you're sitting there now and it's, it's and you're working with for me on Friday and at dinner time and we've just had a couple of big groups, we're at a restaurant. So, Justin, if I don't text you 48 hours ahead of when I want to change your shift, I want you to come in early to help set up because we've got a couple of big groups coming in, which we didn't expect. So that's, we've, we've taken them because it's COVID and we've, we, we were very eager to get the business. It but happens, me, yeah. I've got to put it in writing to you. Now, that's okay if it's text. So it can be within our app. So we'll send that out to writing. And you've got to respond. And you've got to respond within that window because if you don't, and I and I just I call you and leave a message, but we don't actually have that proper written inter- interaction, technically then if you've, we've not got that, you go on to a different rate of pay for that extra time and that whole shift if it, if, if it does change. And it's mm. those nuances of like 48 hours and, you know, it just seems odd that we're stuck with stuff that it makes sense. And I think to some extent that's what, you know, I was fortunate enough to in, in July I was I was brought in as a, a, a witness on the on the um, the simplification of awards committee. And I yes. can't talk about the conversation there, but the whole thing was built around how do you simplify these really sort of difficult, you know, situations, you know, I mean, even like for somebody at a convention centre or a hotel, which a lot of our clients, if you're working as a, a AV person and you were supposed to finish at 10 and you were coming in to do breakfast at 6 but you finished at 11, well, we haven't given you enough shift Have gap. a break, yeah. You, you, you don't have eight hours, so as soon as you come in, you're on double time. Or, you know, so, you know, those things you don't think about when you, you know, and especially if you're scheduling, if you don't have a system that sits there and spans across, oh, hang on a second, I'm rostering for Thursday. No, I'm really looking at what Friday, how it's going to be impacted. You know, and that AV one is like a real story that we get regularly, like at a conference, you know, like you'll have a major technology conference and they want the people who can handle the level of technology to be there the next morning for the breakfast session with the media and then the evening one was the kickoff. And, you know, these are actually real world examples of when it gets difficult in, in, against awards. And everybody was the hospo. It's, it's across every, every sector where you've got a, a casual or, a, or a, a contingent workforce. Yes. So how were things done in the old days before something like Human Force came along? Bit of pen and paper. 
Oh, look, I, I think in the early days we replaced Excel more than anything. Um, mm. I would suggest that, you know, like there are other companies that we compete with in the, that are very much aimed at the SME space and their target market was to take people off Excel. I mean, so their user interface and user experience was very much like it's no more complicated than Excel and it has to be that way. Um, I think the all of the, all of, all of the, the, the companies that provide solutions in our space um, predominantly take uh, uh, you know away from either legacy systems which originally replaced Excel like you know 17 years ago we were taking people off pen and paper I mean we've still got a couple of clients that have only recently come on that are, are still on paper timesheets like like and a Bundy clock you know the old click clock thing <laughs> yeah. do they still they still exist do they? they still exist like literally with a piece of paper I actually asked if I could buy it off them because I want to put it on the wall in our office mm. just as a sort of a, a, yes it's a yeah. history but, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and the Bundy clock goes back to, like, the turn of last century. Like, in New York, it was the first guy who was a jeweller who built the first machine. Was, his name was Bundy. I always hoped it was Al Bundy, but it wasn't. So. <laughs> so so your software then is in many ways agnostic. It's, it's not pro-employer or pro-worker. It's just there uh, to help essentially both sides. Yeah, because in the early days, it was, I've got to say that it was brought into, it was more of a punitive tool for the employer. Like when I first went and talked to all the employers, it was more, hey, I want to make sure I'm paying them right, but I don't want to pay them any more. And I want to make sure every roster is right. And I want to make sure that the cost is right. It was all very cost, cost, cost. Like how could we reduce their labor costs? And I would say seven, eight years ago, that completely disappeared. And it was all about, like my whole mission now is around engagement. Like yeah. all of that sort of optimization stuff is, I mean, we do do some uh, freight, we do do some, you know, transport organisations, we do a bus company and a, and a, and a public bus uh, service in Australia. And that's still very much optimization. You don't, you know, obviously if they're optimising to make sure the right amount of bus is there um, and, the, and the workforce, that's like a pure optimization exercise. But the, the majority of our work now is, the clocking and the it process has disappeared to, you know, where we're picking up people either using their own device or, or using a device on the wall, but predominantly it's off their own phone, you know, where they'll pick up a, a beacon or they'll, uh, you know, they'll clock in themselves as they come into the, into work. Um, you know, so it's no longer that clocking piece. The award piece is, is critical, paying people correctly in both Australia and New Zealand. But the main really, the main thing is now is that, is that you know, you've got a, a, a workforce that is, very transient, very mobile, and mm. therefore you've got to engage them, you know, getting them to rate their manager and the manager rate them and then having a look at how that's playing out. You know, no longer do you have a bully that's sort of sitting there, um, you know, they don't exist anymore in, in, in the in the marketplace as, as much as, you know, the media like to find them. But yeah, that sort of person, that manager, that sort of punitive manager doesn't exist anymore because, you know, the, the, the workforce will just move on. They just won't put up with it anymore. Is it is it fair to say that your software can assist businesses become more compliant when it comes to paying staff? Yes, yeah. I mean, it's it's a compliance tool. Yeah. I mean, we, we the the issue that you've got though is that we we might have a client that's been with we've got many clients who've been with us from our, our first year, and as the the, the the awards have got more and more complex our system has been, you know, we've got to keep our clients up to speed with that as well. And that's the biggest issue that we've got is that you can give somebody a compliant tool, but as long as, if they're not getting the right advice and they're 
you know, a lot of them belong to employer associations and they're good sources of, you know, information, whether it be the, you know, New South Wales Business Chamber or the Australian Hotel Association or, or, or the retailer groups. They let their clients, their members know, but they've got to act on it. And that's the, that's yeah. the issue. And so our difficulty is, is that our clients sometimes will get themselves into trouble because they just haven't been attentive to changes. And so one of the things we're looking at for this, you know, coming into 2021 is how do we actually create with the changes now a real, a truly compliant system? Because the current model they're looking at where they're going to increase the rate may make it more cost effective to be incredibly compliant. So it may be an opportunity for us there as a, as a pure compliance play to say, if you follow this setup, um, and we're dealing with a few of these employer associations at the moment, that we can provide them a compliant solution that if you just put the times in, it will pay them exactly what they're due, including mm-hmm. everything. That's sort of where we're at at the moment because I think if you, for want of a better term, inflate or juice up the the hourly rate as it's being you know put through the media at the moment, like a, a one or catch all, it might become quite financially prohibitive. I find it hard to understand if I'm on twenty dollars, how I'm going to get you know pick up things like the fifty and one hundred percent loadings that I would get for certain you know working Sunday after you know, over a certain overtime limits, et cetera. So that, that's, it will be very interesting. I think the devil will be in the detail on that one. It looks good, but uh, I think it may, you know, those that are concerned and then the criminalisation, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole slew of, of conversation around this one. There's yeah, very, very interesting times in our space. So, so um, I said in my intro that I think you set the business up 17 years ago so you would have i mean you you've been around the block a few times bruce you've seen some different economic cycles uh good and bad so how how has human force as a business changed over that period of time because i was because i was a mature founder when i started this business having founded my first one like in the 80s i think i've been through and including a family business i think my first downturn was in 75 when there was a credit uh, squeeze yeah and I remember just thinking, you know, and I went, as I was going to COVID, I, I sat and I thought, okay, the exact answer to the question was, we have been through every possible downturn and, you know, whether it be 08, 09, you know, everything that could, could squeeze. And along the way, the most resilient businesses were the ones that that we, that had always been careful with their wage and their, their workforce, you know, based, both within maintaining and, and keeping a good relationship with their workers and also being careful and how that they applied you know, rules and also how they, you know, how they ran their businesses. I mean, we don't get generally invited into businesses that aren't particularly well run, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, um, it does. Does that, you know, so, you know, and, and all through these periods, I mean, you know, the, the, the names we drop are always, you know, reputable businesses that, you know, like those, you know, the, the, the health and care organisations, childcare, aged care, they're all very reputable businesses. And so for us, it's, we've, we've been there to assist them, how we can, you know, very, very much like when, when, when retail was being smashed, you know, and, and retail's gone through all sorts of ups and downs. We've got a very, very deep retail um, installed base. Um, you know, that, that, that's that been really interesting. I mean, we've got clients that, you know, their owners are in the meter for refusing to pay rents and, and continuing to trade. Um, and then we've got other owners that have literally just shuttered their business and, you know, we, we, we're providing them with, with relief um, all the way through it from uh, as a business. Um, because we know that the real good ones will come back after this. And now, to be honest, that's always been the way. We shutter, shutter 
if, if you know to go through the storm and then you know ex- expect that you know good people good people and good businesses to survive you know and they do the right thing by their their teams you know that's sort of our philosophy as well and so what were you doing before human force i know we're, we're going back a little bit but um before you set up the business how did you how did you come to to start human force we, um, my original business was in, uh, I, I floated it in the, the dog, uh, the dog boom. Um, mm. that was why I started this one in 2002 because I'd, I'd, I'd done an exit and, uh, I think I lasted less than three months at home with my wife and three young children. <laughs> Retirement didn't work. <laughs> well, I like the idea, but <laughs> you probably picked Others up. Others didn't, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little eclectic as far as how life goes. And yeah, it was, and I'm a, I'm a founder, I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, I sat there and I saw an opportunity. I went out to all my clients who were all big retailers. I mean, I did like Vodafone globally for their retail art stores. And you know, I had built a, a significant business, e-commerce business that we floated. And, you know, it, 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 it to me, like there wasn't anything that I, I saw through this last, you know, particularly through COVID that I hadn't sort of experienced before. But, you know, why did I... Yeah, you know, so so retail point of sale, inventory management, and and the more we got optimized these these retail stores, the more I realized that the only the, the only sort of opportunity left in a retail operation, like your, your rent was set, it's a tough business. I mean, even through those heydays when mobile phone stores, particularly, you know, we were, we had I think I would just, I did. We didn't do Optus at the time, but we did like Telstra and all the Telstra stores, and did Telstra's e-commerce and Vodafone and all the big retailers. That was just like a, a heyday in that space, but I realised that the big issue that they had is everything sort of was fixed. Your shop, your, your, your retail rents were pretty. You could the best you could get was the best you could get. You know, the advertising spend was built off their sales revenue, so it was really the only variable I could see in their business going forward was their workforce. Like, how did we, you know, what, what could we do for them on that front? And that was how I started. I literally went out to businesses that are long gone, like. You know, if there's anybody old listening to this, I remember Home Art and Copper Art, like the founder of that business had a huge thing. He had like a couple of hundred stores right across yeah, the country. Yeah. I went out and visited him and he was he was a you know, older and you know, a serious, mature, older you know, retailer. And he just said, look, you know, to be honest, the only you know, you're right, the only thing that, that we haven't got a good handle on is our workforce. And, you know, that was the start of, you know, then doing the homework and, you know, built off uh, that business and a bunch of other ones that I had personal relationships with. Um, and, you know, and we, we built it out from that, you know, that, that got us into the, you know, that, again, in the mobile te- telephony, the carriers, um, and it just sort of snowballed from there. Got um, things going. Yeah. So then, um, so let, let, let's look ahead, Bruce, um, time for the crystal ball. Um, what's on the horizon for the next couple of years? What's, what's the future of the business? Um, I, I got to tell you, you know, where we're getting the most traction at the moment is everything that's it's not our core. So our core is, is is sort of settled and by and and done. We raised capital back in two thousand and what was eighteen? I guess yeah, January eighteen. Um, so it'll be two years coming up. We raised capital to go to the US. We were, we had already got clients over there, so our whole that was all scuttled earlier this year. So we basically you know um, mothballed that for the moment. We have got clients over there, but they were they were sort of uh, trading okay. Um, so the future for us isn't so much in that core where it is in Australia and New Zealand with, with, with a, a regulatory um, drive. It's built around really engaging the worker. Um, you know, we, we're providing commuter lytics. You know, within our industry, we partner with a lot of the, you know, um, uh, instant pay 
um, you know, which you'll see there's lots of media and lots of advertising happening around that space at the moment. There's mm. four or five players, um, you know, within the general HCM space, we've gone all the way, you know, up market into or upstream um, into, you know, the onboarding process because we want the first interaction with human force to be one where they're using the app. Um, you know, and at the same time in the UK, we've got, you know, commuterlytics. Like, I don't even know if it's a term, what will you call it? Which is I made that up. I think I might have been a while ago. But, yeah, it's basically, you said, commuterlytics is where I'm sitting there and I've got to get out to Wembley or I've got to, well, I'll use Sydney or Melbourne. I mean, you know, I'm sitting at home. I've got, a, I've got a, an opportunity at the Australian Open or I've got my local pub. Which way do I go? You know, and, and what, what's it going to take time-wise for me? Do I accept this shift against that shift if I've got multiple opportunities? And that takes in and then that same commutalytics is applied to if I'm shift, offering a shift out for a, for a quick fill that evening, I'll obviously look to, to sh- offer it to people who have a, a shorter commute. So we're really thinking about the worker. We're not thinking about the employer as much, to be honest. And so it's all worker-centric. How do we get? How do we engage that worker? You know, the battle for talent is real in a in in the the contingent workforce, and nobody actually speaks for them. Like they are the, they are the people that serve us and make our coffees and do all of that. But you know, to be honest, they don't have a desk. They don't have a, they don't even have a company email. You know, so they're they're the people that we've sort of yeah. That's where my focus is has been for the last year. I think how can I make their lives better, because in turn that will create engagement through you know through our application for our clients bruce mckenzie always great to talk to you thank you so much for your time and your insights today we wish you all the very best for 2021 thanks for joining us on the unicorns podcast it's been a pleasure thanks justin it was great to chat 